Linoleum Knife. A podcast of the cinema. <laughs> I were, was, you, were you taken aback I by was, my upbeat, new, fresh new approach? That and the fact that you're wearing my Deck the Hallmark t-shirt. That I was, was like, on who ex- even are you? That was on accident. I, I was kind of waiting for the end fork, weirdly enough. I think that's what threw me. I woke up this morning and I usually, before I go to bed, I make sure that my 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 morning uh, outfit, your layette, yeah. <laughs> yes, is ready to go. Like, go to the bathroom. It's waiting for me in the bathroom. Mm. That way, I am not you know prancing about in the raw. No judgments here. <laughs> um, I just, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of being, you know, cold. Sure. When I get up in the morning. Um, sometimes it's my, sometimes when it's quite chilly in the apartment. Yes. My cozy. Flannel. L.L. Bean flannel bathrobe. Yes. But, you know, springtime in Los Angeles. It ain't that cold. Well, I woke up this morning and realized I had not set out anything within easy reach mm-hmm. of of uh, putting on. Well, what was sitting on the, the one of the living room chairs, but your deck the Hallmark T-shirt that you had on last night? Yes, and I thought, oh, there's a shirt. <laughs> it'll do it'll do it will be warm I even offered to give it back to you this morning when you woke up I said look I have warmed it up for you <laughs> you said that's fine just wear it you just like seeing me you know all dolled up in your clothes it is it's that's, like, it's like yeah. you know, when you wear my Van Heusen shirts <laughs> <laughs> you're Dave White by the way I'm Alonzo Duralde <laughs> We are film critics, we are spouses, and this is our show. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, 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 sometimes I listen to older episodes, like bits and pieces at a time. Of this show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to remind myself that I said something or didn't say something. or People are like, remember the time when you said blah, blah, blah on whatever show? And I'm like, no, I don't remember anything. Yeah, it's true. Invariably, I am uh, confronted by the fact that I do not possess network energy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. You make it work. (laughs) That when I say the names of all the podcasts that we do, I somehow neglect to sound enthusiastic about it. When the reality is... You know, I like life. Life likes me. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be doing these podcasts with yeah. you. We love our we love our uh, we LK lo- listeners. We love our Patreon supporters. Yes, <laughs> but it's kind of like you know when people told Wednesday Adams to smile, and I think I can try to do that. What if I tried to sound a little more upbeat, peppy? What if I tried to sound a little zesty? Zing, zingy. I think you're zesty. All Peppy. The time. And so the, I, sometimes I try. 
Sometimes I go linoleum knife. <laughs> Can you even believe it? You got it. This podcast. <laughs> but if I try to sustain that for more than 60 seconds at a time. <laughs> That's not good for anyone. I become very tired and I have to <laughs> lie down. It's going to be all right. It's like when we're on KCRW mm. and you're always pushing me. You're like, talk faster. <laughs> sound like you're happy to be there. Like, go sound bites, please. Pick up the pace. No digressions. No, no, no stalling. And I just am like, oh. <laughs> how do I? I'm trying. Well, you know, in the original Zoopraxinoscope, I'm no, try- <laughs> the dawn of cinema. No, I'm trying to. Eventually, I will get to the movie that we're to talking sound, about. I'm trying this to week. sound good for the national public radio <laughs> listener, and I'm convinced that when they listen to us on KCRW's Press Play yes. with Madeline Brand, when they hear me talking, they're like, "Why is molasses person here?" <laughs> You know what? Maybe the producer is playing you at like 1.25 speed and <laughs> no one notices. Maybe, maybe. And I don't even know. Well, I I say I don't even notice. I almost never listen to our segments when we're on. I mean, your voice is deep enough that even if you speed it up a little, it's not like you're going to be Alvin and the Chipmunks. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's what I'm trying it's to fine, say, Dave. They love us there. What Obviously, tra- <laughs> whatever we're doing is right. I'm trying to say that I'm, you know, I'm not... Not listening to feedback from people who are like, could you move a little faster, please? Be, be you, Dave. That's could you important. sound a little happier to be even alive? <laughs> and I could. I could try. Don't go changing to please anyone. But I would feel, again. Very tired. I would need, <laughs> would need a, an immediate nap. I'm here to provide enough network energy for both of us. A holistic medical practitioner <laughs> once told me, what did he say? What was the body, the body type, the type by nature that I am? <laughs> Hang on. Was it naughty by nature? No, something like uh, Eeyore. No, like he called it like Kaffa or something like that. Mm, beats me. Um, is this is this the guy? Who is, it's an Ayurvedic thing, and apparently I'm I'm according to this holistic medical practitioner. Yes. I hesitate to use the word medical well. in my description of him because you know he was really nice. Also, he was not a doctor. No. So, well, a kapha person is slow. <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, you are the sloth of the DMV <laughs> in Zootopia. Um, we have films to talk about. We do. Would you like to talk about them? Yes. Um, I would. Uh, we have three three uh, newies and one oldie. Mm-hmm. And by oldie, I mean a film from the end of 2021 that we just didn't get to yes, at the time because it was theaters only and... It's now streaming, though. No one was giving us a... Uh, sorry for that. Nobody was giving us a link to watch it, and now it's streaming. Yes. Uh, I've We've both seen two of them. 
Yes. You've seen one that I haven't seen, and I've seen one that you haven't seen. Correct. Where should we begin? Why don't we begin with the alphabet? Okay. All right. So that would mean the first film that we're going to talk about is something called The Atom Project. I don't know anything about it other than that Ryan Reynolds is in it. Yeah. And that Mark Ruffalo is in it. Yeah. And that Catherine Keener is in it. Yeah. And I forget who else Jennifer is in Garner it. Is Jennifer Garner is in it. Jennifer Garner is in it. I didn't know that. Yeah. People getting paid. Uh, this is on Netflix. Is it in theaters? It is just on Netflix. It's only on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. So, was it made by a studio and then pushed to Netflix? Or? Uh, I believe this is a Netflix original. Oh, then why are we talking about it? <laughs> you wanted to. Uh, it's. I mean, it's no. A, you you said you had to review it for some I, folks. We did it for Breakfast All Day. Did you a, write a review of it for the rap or something? I did not. I you talked about not. it on Breakfast All Day. All right. It's a look. It falls into that. Well, then let's make it quick. <laughs> sure. It falls into that nebulous category of it didn't go to theaters, but it's still a movie. Um, it's, All right. it's directed by Sean Levy, who is one of my least favorite of the sort of, you know, Hollywood, uh, well, he's kind of a hack, I think, frankly, but you know, he, he makes, he makes shiny, successful movies. And Does so, he? you know, he has a career. Yeah. He directed Free Guy. Uh, he directed uh, the Night at the Museum movies. Uh, he directed Date Night. He directed the. I, 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 I didn't mind Date Night. He directed the Steve Martin Pink Panther movies. Ooh. He directed the Steve Martin Cheaper by the Dozen, not to be confused uh, with the upcoming. Um, this is where I leave you. Yes, that one. The internship, which again didn't super mind the internship. No, no, no. I've got his. I've got his page. Are right. you thinking of the intern or the internship? Oh wait, which one am I? Which one? The, the intern was Nancy Myers, and that was Robert yeah, De Niro. And that was kind of sweet. He did the internship. Well, I don't know what that is. Vince Vaughn and uh, Owen Wilson go to work for Google. Oh, that is a that is an extremely bad film. It is. Okay, I <laughs> didn't think you were thinking of the right one. Real Steel, which is kind of weird and half. I did not fun. care for it. Um, um, yeah, he, he the did night the, at the museum. There is yet another cheaper by the dozen hitting Disney cheaper Plus by the now. dozen. He got he did that remake. Yeah. Just married with oh with Brittany Murphy. No. No. No, with uh No. Oh wait, yes. Yes, I'm right about this. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was confused with what happened. Ashton Kutcher. I they was, were a, a couple at the time. Yes. I was thinking about what happens oh, in Vegas. Which... He made Big Fat Liar. Now that's a solid jam. Okay, well <laughs> sure. Big Fat Liar is great. Anyway, he made this thing and it is Just in time. What's it's just in time. It's a time it's it's not that one with Justin Timberlake, is it? Uh, it's no, that full was of people I've, It's full of people I've never seen before. Okay. Okay. Anyway, The Atom Project. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is a, an Air Force guy from the year 2050, and uh, time travel exists, and time travel has ruined everything. So he has to come back to 2022 yeah. to try and undo things. And in doing so, has to team up with his 12-year-old self, played by a kid named Walker Scobell. All right. And, um, you know, there's one good scene in this movie. Oh. There is one good scene where Jennifer Garner, who is the kid's mom, who is frazzled because ever since the kid's dad, played by Mark Ruffalo, has died in an accident, he's been, you know, a little turd to her. And, right. um, you know, she's frazzled and 
And so she's at a bar and like Ryan Reynolds basically gives her this pep talk about how like her son really appreciates her and how she'll never know how much, you know, he means to her, even though the kid can't express it because he's a little turd. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a sweet moment and it, it really kind of like nails the whole like thing you wish you could tell to your, you know, like, you know, look, I lost my mother when I was 18 years old. So like if, if I could go back and, you know, as an adult, tell her what an awful person I was at the age of 12 to whenever, you know, I, that would, that would be a cool thing. And the, that, that scene is handled really well. Cause you know, it's Jennifer Garner and she's great. And it's Ryan Reynolds being sincere and not being Ryan Reynolds, you know? Um, right. But for the most part, this is just like a very tiresome by the numbers. You've seen this a million times action movie just in the nick of time blah 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 um you know it's like it's like to cast ryan reynolds as the wisecracking you know hero to cast jennifer garner as the long-suffering mom and mark ruffalo as the earnest scientist dad it's like are we even trying like these are that's where you start in a casting meeting go like well this would be the obvious choice but let's go like something along these lines no 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 they went right for first choice obvious Catherine Keener as the villain is the one sort of like, you know, oh, didn't, would not have expected that. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I just found it mostly tiresome. I have questions then. Go on. Is it offensively bad or is it just sort of dull and lifeless? It's dull and lifeless. Christy and I came to the conclusion that it's the perfect movie. If, if, it, if you can make your 12-year-old boy fold laundry, this is the movie he can do that to. I folded laundry when I was 12. Well, I'm sure you did. I was good at it, too. Yeah. I didn't have to be coaxed with treats and I, films. I bet you could do a fitted sheet and everything. No, honestly, I didn't learn how to fold a fitted sheet until I was an adult. Ah, yeah, that's a challenge. Martha Stewart taught me that. Yeah. It's easy now. You, I'm you real also, good at it You now. also kind of need an arm span for that one. So I got that. You do now. At 12, yeah. maybe not so much. No, at 12, I was almost as tall as I Okay, now. well, maybe you did then. <laughs> yeah. I stand corrected. Um, um, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's it, like most of Sean Levy's movies. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's a, that's a movie, I guess. <laughs> then here's, now here's my next question. What's that? Sean Levy, as a filmmaker, I have some, I have some theories. Go on. He's Canadian. Uh huh. Which means he's nice and easy to get along with. <laughs> I think Canadians hate it when we put them all under that blanket. But go on. Why would you hate being put under that blanket? Because it's you know, it it doesn't give them the benefit of the doubt that they have like can be mean human idiosyncrasies. Oh, sure, you could also be mean, but if your national trait is niceness, yeah, why not lean into that? Sure, you know, and then listen. No one will see it coming. <laughs> when you, when you decide to, <laughs> when you decide to whip out the spiky, you know, tantrum. Yeah, it's all in your favor. You are you literally I mean? forcing me to have a tantrum. Yes. <laughs> um. I bet he's super reliable. Oh sure. Shows up on time. Gets it in on time and yeah. under budget. I, I was just gonna say, I'm I'm sure runs, runs a like tight clockwork. Ship. You know, get the, the would Jennifer Garner consent to work with someone who didn't 
keep it together. Oh, of course not. But it doesn't mean that he's any good. It just means that That's he's... That's not the point. No, he's, he's, a, he's a very good middle manager. He probably gets studio notes. Is like, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let me make that happen for you. I don't have a vision. I'm just here to, like, tell people where to stand. I... The, when when you tell me Jennifer Garner is in something, yes, she's powerful enough now to make her own choices. Sure, right to to not just take a job because it's a job. Right, you know she's she's a big deal. Yeah, she has a reputation for being uh, nice to people mm-hmm. and very prepared. Yes, and when you are like that, when you are very prepared, and other people are not ready. <laughs> Why is nobody ready? You don't. You don't like it when they aren't ready. You probably don't want to work with people who aren't ready. I bet Sean Levy is always ready. Sure, I'm yeah. sure he runs a tight ship. Yeah. Again, has no vision. <laughs> That's not. I, I, I don't even care, really. Like he's ha- he has a track record of movies that I don't care about yes. or actively dislike, and yeah. sometimes think are great. Big fat liar. And great, great. Okay. I didn't say good. <laughs> It said, great. Okay. And we've discussed the difference. (laughs) Is this a good movie? No. Is it a great movie? Yes. No, yeah, he he is, but he is the kind of guy who works steadily because I'm sure good in a room. Yeah. Very amenable. Yes. Knows how to work with talent. Yes. And like you said, delivers everything at, at the right time for the right price. But, you know, who, that's not. That doesn't necessarily... People, people will watch these films and say, oh, yes, that was something I watched, and it was nice. Yes. Yeah. I have heard people say that like they cried over this. I'm like, really? What's, what is there? Is there a part, a part where you're supposed to cry? I, I suppose. Near but like, But yeah, but the, the only scene that has any impact is the Jennifer Garner scene, and that happens fairly early. Okay. Well, then let's move on. Let's. From a film you did not like and I don't care enough about to ever watch. Yeah. Fresh. Fresh. Exciting. This is from director Mimi Cave. Yes. Written by someone named Lauren Kahn. Yes. Mimi Cave's first feature, I believe. I don't know. Okay. I also don't know how we're supposed to talk about it. Well, uh, I think we talk about... Because we, number one, loved it. Yeah. And number two, feel as though... We shouldn't tell you anything. <laughs> I, I think we keep it. We keep very much to the beginning of the movie and the okay. the, 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 the the sort of setup before the setup, and um, and then leave it at that. Shall I? If you want spoilers, uh, Christy and I did re- record a spoiler discussion of this movie on Breakfast All Day this week. Yes, have at it. Daisy Edgar Jones, mm-hmm. who I haven't seen in anything before this. I don't think, unless I have and didn't know it. Is she from Game of Thrones? I feel like everybody's from Game of everyone, Thrones. Everyone is. Everyone was on Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, she was on Normal People, which we haven't watched. I haven't watched that. Really good. Okay. Anyway, she plays a young woman named Noah. N O A. Her best friend, uh, played by JoJo T. Gibbs, is a young woman named Molly. And Daisy doesn't have. Noah. Sorry, Noah <laughs> doesn't have. Uh, Good luck dating on on these apps. Yes. Who does? Does anyone? Someone must. And with the swiping and the whatnot. And she 
my favorite line in the Jenny Slate uh, Charlie Day movie, mm. uh, where they talk about how they could just like move on with their lives and, and start dating other people. And, and uh, Jenny Slate's like, and then, you know, you have the apps and you sli- swipe left and swipe right and who's ugly? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is Mimi Kay's first feature, by the way. I looked she um, has bad dates with stupid guys mm. who are not good. Right. Uh, and then, old-fashioned like, she meets cute. Sebastian Stan, yes. a guy named Steve, in the grocery store. A doctor. He's a doctor. Uh, then they go out on a date. And then they do it. Yes. And then he, The end. Well, and then, and then he invites her away for a weekend. He invites her away for a weekend. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Um... Because I'll tell you something, all I knew when you, when I sat down to watch this, Mm because you watched it before me. Yes. All I knew when I sat down to watch this was, you tell me it's kind of a horror movie? Kind of, sort of? But like 20 minutes in, I'm not getting that vibe. I'm not getting any of that. And I was thinking, what's happening here? And then I learned what's happening here. And as it unfolds, my first thought is, oh, I've seen this before. But then I haven't seen this before. <laughs> Done this particular way. Right. So the final piece of information I'll give you is that, yes, this is a horror movie of a sort. Yes. Um, and it takes horror conventions that you have indeed seen before and uh, turns the crank a little bit to the left. (laughs) It's a very stylish movie. It is also a very stylish film. It, uh, It gleams. The production design of it feels like you are Inside, like, a luxurious Instagram influencer (laughs) filter. Sure. That also is a horror movie. Right. Some might argue. (laughs) (laughs) These two things are not dissimilar. Or mutually exclusive. Um, And for a horror movie, there is a sort of antiseptic bloodlessness that even American Psycho couldn't really fully, uh, you know, deliver because it chose not to. Right. Yeah. No. It's somebody's um, got to put on the slicker. You know. Yeah. Um, and because the women who wrote it and directed it clearly love horror and clearly understand the trouble of modern life. Yes. With regard to how people interact with each other, they give their characters uh, different ways of handling situations that if they were in a different movie by a different 
filmmaker, sure, uh, you wouldn't see it the way it plays out here. Right. It is frustrating to not <laughs> talk about certain things. We will circle back to this down Some down the road. Down the road, yeah. Give I, I, I people a chance to see it. It's on Hulu right now. And Adam Project, I forgot to mention, is on Netflix. I want to say also that it is a film that rewards your careful attention to uh, detail, detail, to dialogue, mm-hmm. to how. People are talking to each other, the things that people say to each other. This is a script with some real good um, setups and payoffs. Yeah. It's funny because by knowing that it's a horror movie going in, during the first, like I said, 20 minutes when nothing that I thought was relevant was happening, mm-hmm. I, did stay, I did think to myself, wait, why are you doing that? Wait, why are you doing that? Wait. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I was told this was a horror movie, and if this is a horror movie, you're doing the wrong things right now. <laughs> I was right. Yes, fresh. Check it out. Uh, we like this. Mm-hmm. It is uh, satisfying, and I'm. I'm it turned. Th- it turned stuff on on its side that I wasn't expecting uh, to get turned that way. Yeah. And I'm 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 happy that it exists. All right, now here's the one I saw that yes. you did not see. Uh, called uh, Intragalde. It's opening Friday in New York. Big cities, y'all. Okay. Theaters only for now. Uh, Radu Muntian. He is the director of uh, like Tuesday After Christmas. Yeah, Tuesday after Christmas. He's Romanian. And uh, absolutely uh, part of the, uh, you know, ongoing Romanian new wave. How many waves have there been since the beginning of the Romanian new wave? This is like a 20-year project that is still cranking out really interesting movies. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know, you have... We talk about the French New Wave and people think about it being in the 60s, but like Godard and Truffaut continued making films in in the subsequent decades. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, the first flush of the Romanian New Wave may have passed, but you still have this this squad of amazing filmmakers who are still turning out really interesting films. Yeah. So, um, you know, last, last, uh, was it November? Uh, when bad luck banging or loony porn right. uh, came out, I you know was sort of uh, not surprised, but 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 took note of the fact that it was a film that moved off in a far more experimental direction mm. than the sort of you know gray, bleak, deadpan, naturalist, social realism yeah. uh, that you get from so many of the other filmmakers and honestly happily sure. uh, that you get that kind of thing from them this is uh this is very much in the vein of those films very everyday kind of stuff if it moves into stylistic territory uh that differs from this i would say it's that it incorporates tropes from horror filmmaking 
in its storytelling. But which is actually un- being a horror movie. Which is unlike pretty much anything that I've seen from the Romanian New Wave other than uh, how many months, how many weeks, how many days? Four, four three, two. <laughs> four months, four three months, weeks, weeks, two, two days. days. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, uh, the tension and fear of that film, right? Uh, it's like like the Whistlers kind of felt like, oh, we're we're doing a genre movie, a genre now, movie. Yeah. yeah, this has elements of horror uh, stuff in it, mm-hmm. but here's what it's about: some humanitarian workers from Bucharest traveled to uh, mountainous rural Transylvania. They are. Uh, looking to get to a tiny village called Intragalde. A real place, population uh, around 550 people. Hmm. And the, you know, the crew of this movie goes right down, right into that part of the, of the country. Hmm. So they, in real life, are as intrusive as the, as the characters. <laughs> In this film, um, we don't really know exactly what the humanitarian aid organization is, although they bring bags of food and stuff. But when they open the bags, it's all like Cheetos and stuff. You're like, <laughs> how are you helping? Hey, if somebody wants to come over here with a bag of Cheetos, I'm not going to try I mean, away. yes. <laughs> uh, they go. It's winter. Not yet Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, winter is... Peeking uh, around the corner at them. Tuesday before Christmas. Yeah, Tuesday before Christmas. And it begins, you know, there. the camera is showing you these, you know, great open wide country uh, sort of vistas. And then they wind up in the woods. And then they wind up in their, in their Land Rover. Uh, these three people, a man and Two women. They wind up in these dirt roads. So they're off the they're off the pave. They're off the pavement now. And they stop for an old man who's wandering on the side of the road. And he says, Hey, uh, take me to the old sawmill. And they're like, We don't we have to go to Intergalde. He's like, I'm very tired. Take me to the old sawmill. Well, he gets in, (laughs) and then he takes him down this even less hospitable-looking dirt road that's just sort of like grooves in the mud, (laughs) and they get stuck. And they get get enough branches and stuff to get themselves out, and then the next curve in the road they get stuck again only this time they're on the chassis and they're teetering on the edge of a ditch a man and his son come by not speaking uh, uh, I guess Romanian they're speaking some other uh, sort of Roma language so that we don't know what they're saying it's not subtitled they offer to help, and they ask him, you know, th- this old man, uh, who by now has wandered off because he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. Uh, he wants to go to the sawmill because the guy's like, why are you here? He, says, he wants to take him to the sawmill. The guy goes, 
That place has been closed. It shut down decades ago. That old man doesn't know where he is anymore. And he gives them other information about him, too, that is sort of relevant. Uh, but I won't. I won't spoil it here. And they can't get out of the ditch. And when they try, they wind up in the ditch. <laughs> and then they split up. Oh, great. And then they get lost <laughs> in the woods. And then they find the old sawmill, which looks like the Blair Witch House. Like, <laughs> And so each, as, as it goes from bad to, as it goes from ill-advised to bad to worse to much worse to, oh my God, this is disgusting. Get me out of here. You think that you might be watching a horror movie. But then, if you've seen enough Romanian New Wave films, you think, yeah, but I've seen The Death of Mr. Lazarescu. So I guess this is a comedy? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you think, I've also seen The Treasure and Sierra Madre. Uh, sorry, sorry, Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada. Not Sierra Madre. Sierra Nevada and... I know how these end. Yeah. Romanian comedies are the kind where you chuckle and ashes come out. (laughs) This doesn't end in slaughter or anything else. This ends in a whole other way. Because I know, because I've seen these. Sure. I know, I, I know enough about this, this country's, art house output at this point yeah. that I know how this turns out. But the horror elements of it filmically right. compress and compress and compress and compress. And so you're still being squeezed mm. into that vice of horror with, again, the camera that began with giant natural vistas becomes a camera that is sort of engulfed by the woods, which then becomes a camera that is inside the cab of a Land Rover, which then becomes a camera that's inside the land, a Land Rover at night with nothing but a flashlight. And then people get out and they don't even have that light. And the last third of the film is enveloped in almost pitch blackness. Until the stuff happens that happens at the end. I'm not going to spoil it. No. I'm not a monster. Well, these movies are always, are always happening under a slate gray sky anyway. So if you're going to go yes. out into the woods in the winter, <laughs> forget about it. Oh, yes. Then it begins to snow. Of course it does. <laughs> um, ultimately, what you have here is a, a comedy about condescending urban jerks mm-hmm. who are full of their own virtue. Right. On whom tables are turned. <laughs> gotcha. And, and do they learn their lesson? Why don't you watch Intrigue All Day and find out? <laughs> Uh, I think this is, again, 
like almost every film I've seen from the Romanian art house. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't even, we call it the Romanian new wave. I, I sometimes wonder in Romania. How are these movies received? How are these movies received? Like who goes to see them? Are, are people lined up for uh, uh, Bucharest, 1201 East of Bucharest? Spider-Man No Way Home? Or are they lined up for Intergalde? Yeah. I don't know the answers to this, but I just have a feeling like when I've paid money for a ticket to see any of these films mm-hmm. from the past 20 years at one of the local Lemleys, right? it's me and three people yeah. in the theater. And so I wonder what that means in Romania, uh, who's going to see them. That doesn't mean uh, these aren't great. That they're not great. They're all great. I just wonder who who goes. Right. You know, um, this is, you know, lacerating social satire. Mm. Funny in that mirthless way. Yeah. Uh, shot quasi-documentary style and piling on comic misery on top of misery. Until it until it breaks. Yeah. And again, do people learn their lesson at the end of the film? Why don't we uh, not talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it opens this Friday, uh, March 18th at the Film Forum in New York. And then uh, the following week comes to L.A. And it'll be... At uh, one of the Lemleys. Yeah, it's uh, spreading out from there. Yeah. And then we both watched The Souvenir Part 2. Yes, a movie that I was not planning to watch because I didn't like The Souvenir Part 1. You and I had quite the disagreement we about did. Souvenir Part 1. We did. You're a big fan. A lot big, of people are big fans. Big fans. Uh, I found it just unbearable because I I had so... I, I'm not one of those people that has to like your lead character, but when I actively think that your lead character is an idiot who, gets, who deserves every terrible thing that happens uh, to them... Oh, you are... It's hard for me to get engaged with the thing. And that's kind of I how I felt about the hero, you, the, the, the the protagonist. Of I honestly can't movie. believe that you would think that this character deserves I, bad that, okay, stuff. That's happen. putting too fine a point on it. I don't Thank think you. She doesn't deserve, but I just... Take it back. I was just perpetually rolling my eyes at her, like, astonishing level of naivete. Yes. Coupled with her astonishing level of privilege. Yes. Speaking of horror movies, you know, the first film... To me, was kind of a horror movie mm. because every step. Her, the character's name is Julie. She's played yes. by Honor uh, Swinton Byrne. Swinton Byrne. Um, her mother, Tilda Swinton, plays her mother. Uh, this is a film from Joanna Hogg, written and directed by. Yeah. Uh, guessing semi-autobiographical, although I've never really heard any interviews with Joanna Hogg where she discusses this. They probably exist. Uh, the character of, of Julie is uh, in her 20s in the 1980s, as was Joanna Hogg, Joanna Hogg who was born in 1960. And um, it's about a young woman who is in film school. We're talking about the first film right now. Um, she's in film school, and she becomes involved with a somewhat mysterious guy. Who says he works with the foreign office? Foreign office. No one can ever confirm or deny mm. that this is real. 
But he does turn out to be a legit and very real heroin addict mm-hmm. who puts her through the ringer, yes. lies to her, steals from her, um, sends strangers to her home that terrify her, um, and yet she clings to him until the very end of the film when he is found dead. Yeah. Uh, and I remember at the end of the souvenir thinking, wait, where's where's the second half of this story? Like, she has made bad decision after bad decision because she seemingly doesn't know any better. W- what next? Well, here comes all your answer questions. Everything I wanted is in this sequel. The only reason I watched this is because I was told by Clay Keller that that this movie, the character, because the, because Julie is now making a movie about what she herself went through. Yeah. So you get this meta thing of a movie. Uh, you get a, a movie about ostensibly what happens to a filmmaker if it is indeed autobiographical, and now that filmmaker is making a movie about that character, making a movie about that character. Um, that it, that the, he, I was assured that in this one there was there was more self critique about how completely you know naive and pampered the the character was in the first movie, and there is some of that, yes, but. I, I still just don't want to spend any time with her. <laughs> when you say there is some of that, yes, it almost feels dismissive. I am dismissing this. All right. Because that's what this film is. Like, I don't know what parts you weren't looking at, but those were also part of that thesis. When I say that Tilda Swinton plays her mother, what I mean is that Tilda Swinton plays the most cocooning, loving, caring, accepting, stifling. Yes, yes darling. <laughs> I, stifling? No. I I I think uh I think there is a kind of a kind of there is a kind of mothering, mm-hmm. a kind of parenting in general, that affirms and comforts and provides an always soft place to land. Sure. Okay, fair enough. And in this film, that that place isn't just a place of love and concern. It is also a place of great money. (laughs) Lots and lots of money. In a country, a state where everything is gorgeous. Um all conveyed in shorthand by Tilda Swinton's outfits. (laughs) Because of this kind of, you know, environment. Tilda Swinton's, like, uh, uh, clothing um, guide here is basically, what would Elizabeth wear at Balmoral? (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. Because of this kind of environment... You would have to be an incredibly uh, worldly and self-aware person, a combination of the two, to see, to stand apart from it and see it, right? 
Like, I, I grew up poor. And until I was a teenager, I couldn't stand outside of it and see it. I just thought that was everything. But then I did. I think sometimes if you grow up very privileged and very cared for, you know, you don't rebel. You, you, you lean you, in, you lean into it. You, 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 you love it. You return to it again and again. And she does. The character of Julie does whenever there's a problem in her life. And there are problems in her life. She's grieving the loss of this, uh, boyfriend about whom she, can't really find much information. And when she goes to other people looking for that information, they stonewall her or they themselves don't know much about him. Uh, her, 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 her attempts to, to uh, find out what his profession was sort of come to dead ends. In the meantime, she's, you know, trying to work on a student film. She's also assisting another director, Richard, uh, Ayoade is as always, <laughs> Funny, funny, funny. Yeah, funny, no, funny. my favorite part of this um, movie is him not only just being the way he is, but the fact that this like hugely expensive and elaborate musical he's making is clearly meant to be absolute. Bitters. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> fully, completely, one hundred percent. The movie that destroyed the British film industry, in more or less. Yeah, um, and that's a bit of a, an inside joke as you're watching it. Uh, but anyway, as she sort of tries to juggle these, you know, school responsibilities and fails at a lot of them mm-hmm. and can't get any sort of traction on who this person was that dominated her life right. in the first film. Absolutely dominated her. Absolutely, like, lied to her and made her believe things that weren't true. And she fell for all of it. Every time she can't keep it together, she goes home to this really nurturing, sheltering... To being tended to. Keep you naive about the world outside kind of environment. Mm -hmm. Now, real talk, are you... uh, Are you feeling sympathy... (laughs) For a person who's like, I need 10,000 pounds, mommy. <laughs> and the mother's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, I confess. It is hard. I have class war in my veins. I. But this film takes such care, and so did the first one, takes such care with... Uh, Presenting this young woman as, you know, a product of an environment who is learning in a very slow and halting way how not to be fragile, how not to be naive, how not to be a pushover, how to make her way through, uh, it reminds me quite a, a bit of both the worst person in the world and licorice pizza. Now the, the character in worst person in the world and the character in licorice pizza, they are two. The, these are three very, very, very different women from very, from very different, uh, environments, uh, socioeconomic levels, 
cultural environments, decades, eras, <laughs> you name it. But they are all uh, characters in their young adult life who are looking to get it together. You have a feeling, probably, by the end of this one and Worst Person in the World, that these two women, these two characters, are, in their own way, going to be okay. Alana Heim and Licorice Pizza, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she, she might have a few more years of trying to figure it out. Um, but I... I loved the, the the care and the affection and the very, very difficult process of uh, presenting a fragile person as someone worthy of sympathy, someone worthy of, you know, your attention and your concern. Someone you might even identify with no matter what your background is. Look, and I, that is why I and I, I think Honor Honor Swinton Byrne is great yeah. as this character. She reminds me a lot of uh, in her approach to characters, uh, Kristen Stewart, how she goes very sort of internal with uh, characters she portrays. I think of Honor Swinton Byrne in the same way. I love a coming of age film. Yeah, uh, Licorice Pizza was my favorite movie last year, and and Worst Person in the World was top five. Yeah, and those were characters that I I believed, I believed, and I believed in. Yeah. You know, and I wanted them to succeed, and I I I understood that they were going to have to like learn the hard way and try things that didn't work and all that stuff. And it was all toward the end point of them kind of becoming themselves and 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 tapping into who they were and what their power was. And I just never get that from this character. This character just, I, I, I'm, I'm like the bad parent. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> how do you not have this yet? <laughs> I just, I, I found her just exasperating all through both movies. So I just, I can't even rationally like tell you if I think that Honor Swinton Byrne gives a good performance or not because I found the character so gratingly annoying that I was just like I could I think that the filmmaking here has a lot to do with how you perceive uh, the character not you because I feel like if I can be you know combative here with you I think mm -hmm. you I think you missed the filmmaking here the the production design there's a beige moneyed you know atmosphere that dares you to dismiss it um while the camera is focusing on uh honor swinton burns face and on these these small still moments of hesitation uh that she faces like routinely and like her inability to make decisions almost sinks her student film. Uh, and everyone's angry at her all the time. And you are frustrated by her. I'm not saying that you that you sit there watching it going, Oh, come on now, go, 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 you can do it. You can you do it. go, girl. Yeah, you, it's not like that. You are frustrated with this character. You are afraid for her, and you're also uh, I had the same reaction that you did quite often. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, 
pull it out. Maybe and, it's maybe it's knowing that she always had, you know, Casa Cozy of Tilda's Winton to go back to where I just thought, well then But she knows she can't keep doing that. She shouldn't, but right. I, I, I don't know. I just I I I don't know why it is that I have no sympathy for this character, but I have no sympathy. I think she's also attracted to the the dead boyfriend. Because he has that thing that people who grew up with a lot of comfort and privilege tend to have. You know, those prep school kids. Mm. They have that. The, the, I've, I've read entire, like, treatises on this. The concept of ease. Yeah. You have ease in social situations. You, you, can, you can be plopped down somewhere and just go because the world belongs to you. And that is how he behaves all through the first film. And I think she's attracted to that because she somehow didn't learn that growing up. Even though she grew up privileged as well, she somehow didn't learn that ease. Um, I have one thing I want to ask. She mourns what he could have been to himself. Mm-hmm. She, she mourns what he could have been to her. And I think she's afraid. And I think, you know, this. both of these films are just these small, quiet films about little decisions that can mean everything if you accumulate them over enough over a long enough time um and she's each step of the way trying not to keep making those this movie does a bit of a bait and switch about hiv that i want to talk about well i think that's the queer lens that we're watching it with maybe because in the first film, she is involved with an IV drug user. Uh-huh. In the 1980s. In the 1980s. Uh-huh. And this movie begins with her, under Tilda Swinton's care, sick in bed. Yes. And, <clears throat> you know, sick with something. Yes. And it, and it happens to her in the first film, too. But um, it, I don't remember. It does. Movie. It happens to her also in the first film because when she gets this weird flu in the first film after dating him for a while, you and I both said... Oh, oh no. no, what's coming? And that's because if you're queer and you remember the 80s yeah. and the 90s, then what you what you think when you see that is, honey, yeah. <laughs> like, go get an HIV test. Um, so the movie begins with her being sick, and I, and I thought, oh, this is okay. And then... It's never really mentioned again. And then later, a character who we only find out is gay because she kind of asks him out. Yes. And then he talks about how, oh, I'm cooking for my boyfriend tonight and Mm -hmm. he's been sick for a while. Yeah. And it's sort of alluded to and then not followed up. But I was like, okay. Um, And you're right. Maybe that is just me looking for, you know, having a hammer and everything looks like a nail. But, you know. Lots and lots and lots of straight people. If you ask them about the 80s and 90s, they will not talk about HIV. Mm. Lots of them will just won't. Yeah. Because it was outside of their uh, experience. Yeah. And so for this to also be sort of outside of her experience, even though she was dating someone who very well could have, you know, contracted HIV, um, it didn't surprise me that they didn't follow through with that in, in any way that, that we were worried that it would turn out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Anyway, I, I know I'm in the minority of this. People love both these movies. And, and I'm right. Movie, and you're one of them. I, uh, I If there's a part three, I'm done. You can tell me. Oh, no, 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 no. You're in now. No. You're mm-hmm. in now. Mm-hmm. You're this going is, straight into the 90s. This is like after the Lord of the Rings. I did one and I'm like, part I'm out. Three. I'm out. Part three. She's going to be working on Richard Curtis movies and being all <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> she's like, ugh, Why? I'm done. I'm done. Don't like these, but uh, you you enjoy. But Alonzo, why are you wrong? Stop being wrong. I, I you know, you have your marching orders. I told you these, stop being the, wrong. These movies are <laughs> exemplary in that I rarely loathe a character to this degree that I can't just stand back and 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 take it as art. I just like no, no. Uh, you're a bad man. No. no. I'm right. Well, okay. We have a letter. Or two. Nope. That other one still didn't get sent. What? I'm telling you. Uh, read the first one. I'll... Wait. No. Here. It just popped in. There we go. It just popped in. Dr. Steve, you foolishly challenged your listeners to name all of the Star Wars ships from memory. So here you go. USS Enterprise, NCC-1701. All right, I get where he's going with this. He lists five, six more, one, two, three, four, five more ships. Uh, that are all versions A, B, of the Enterprise. A, B, C, D, and E, which is the same letters. In the, okay. No. Dr. Steve, I'm sorry I ruined your bit by not reading every single one of these long-ass names with the letters and the numbers. He says, these are, of course, the Star Trek ships, because to paraphrase Liz Lemon, I prefer my stars to be Treks. <laughs> also because you've wondered before who would subscribe to Paramount Plus, Trekkers what? No. Star Trek may be their most profitable IP with the most dedicated fan base, and it makes up a good chunk of the streamer's original programming. And finally, producer Brian Fuller, you may have heard of him, (laughs) has done amazing work with queer representation on the two most high-profile new Star Trek shows, Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. It is worth noting, live long and prosper, Steve. Thank you, Dr. Steve. Point taken. (laughs) We have heard of this Brian Fuller person. Mm -hmm. It does ring a bell. Mar- Mark- Marco <laughs> says, Hi, I love your podcast, and I love knowing the names of the little ships in Star Wars. <laughs> Mainly just because the art books associated with it are cool, and the names just stuck in my head. Glad you guys are back on a regular schedule. He provides a link. Oh my goodness. The T-65 X-Wing. Oh, look how detailed this is. Is this the only one? Are there more? There are whole books of this Holy stuff. Holy cow. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I just watched a 45-minute YouTube video about one <laughs> digital sample. I watched a whole 45-minute YouTube video about the, na- the, the, the journey of a single digital sample in about nine different house tracks. So... Like, who, you, you who am I? Game recognized game. Yeah, yes. I get it. You appreciate minutiae. Who am I to, to talk about anything? <laughs> 
All right. Uh, that's our program. We but are done. If you, you have want, to go off to if, see the Batman. I am going to go see the Batman. If you yeah. want more from us, hey, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Tons of additional content starting as low as a dollar a month. Uh, you should uh, look into that, maybe. I think you might enjoy it. LKTV, Linoleum Knife and Fork, Linoleum Knights, and much more. Um, you can catch me on my other shows, Breakfast All Day. Christy and I, next week, uh, and the re- lead-up to the Oscars, are doing a little daily uh, uh, category discussion. If that's if that floats your boat, you can find it on it's on YouTube or as a podcast. Uh, of course, Maximum Film over at the Maximum Fun Network. And uh, Mondays, I'm on Deck the Hallmark. Right now, Brandon and I are doing our 25 Weeks of Christmas. We are uh, showing each other movies we've never seen or that I don't like. Um, and uh, we we just did a twofer where we did The Bishop's Wife and The Preacher's Wife. And we're about to go into Miracle on 34th Street, 1947, and Miracle on 34th Street, 1994. So... Check that out. And, of course, check out all of our, our dear friends on the Internet, especially uh, Bibbs and Whitney over at Critically Acclaimed, Dennis Enwood, Dennis Hensley, um, Comics Canon, Sewers of Paris, All Things Cozy, and so on and so on. Uh, thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Uh, check out his wonderful work at bandcamp.com. Slash, sorry, Blue, B-L-E-U, dot bandcamp.com. Um, you can subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We will read it on the show. You can also leave us positive feedback in the many places we stream, including Spotify, Stitcher Radio, um, CastBox, Podbean, Amazon Music, Google Play, all those things. Um, we're at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next time. So, um, yes, right between the two letters. Uh, that you sent me. Mm-hmm. This is the beauty of my inbox. Yes. Is an email. The subject line is Katie Holmes is ready for spring. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I was really worried about that. Do you know why? Why? Well, she's wearing some pretty butterfly covered dresses from Kate Spade. Oh, good for Katie. Saks Fifth Avenue, shop the look, $378. Affordable for Katie Holmes. Pocket change for Katie Holmes. Pocket change for Katie Holmes. She's pairing them with Kate Spade slingback flats. I beg you to end this program. (laughs) This episode, anyway. I just thought you wanted to know. Thought you might like to know. Consider Consider me educated. Yeah. Goodbye.